when the Lord pushes me off to another text, I, as I said, I don't ask questions. I just do what He says. Um, there's a song that came out a number of years ago that has deep meaning for Karen and I. Um, as you might suspect, people as old as we are have gone through many ups and downs and many trials and tribulations. Um, we both were going through something about 25 years ago, and it was a really difficult time for both of us. And um, the Lord gave us a beautiful song that we would often listen to together. Uh, American uh, Christian artist named Twyla Paris came out with a song entitled, I Will Listen. Now, as you know, those of you who've been in a hard spot, <laughs> you know that the best thing you can do when you're in the hard spot is listen. And so, yeah, the title was not only good for us, but this line meant a lot to us. Twilight Paris sings, Could it be that God is only waiting there to see if I will learn to love the dreams that He has dreamed for me? Um, I love that line. And I guess I would ask you, um, do you have open hands with God? You know, we talk a lot about this. We've been talking a lot about this in the young adult Bible study in the last few months. But do you have open hands with God? Um, are you willing to abandon your dream for His? And do you know that sometimes through the trial, He's revealing to you exactly what He has for you? And it's not always the same that you have planned for yourself. Larry Crabb is a famous American Christian author and counselor. He writes this, God will lovingly shatter all your lesser dreams in order to what? Does anybody know? In order to give you Himself, right? God's in the business of giving Himself to you. Whatever it takes, He's going to give Himself to you. As I always like to quote C.S. Lewis, paraphrasing of course, God is not going to be distracted with your temporal happiness. His prime objective is to give Himself to you. Are you okay with that? <laughs> are you okay? Do you have open hands with your life? Whatever, God, are you in that place where you can pray, pray whatever? Whatever you have for me, I want it. I want it. I'm ready. Can you pray that to the Lord? I, I found out in my time of trial 25 years ago that my dreams were way too small. Many of you have heard me say this before, but the Lord's dreams were way better. Many who call themselves Christians, they have the same dream, dreams that the world have. have. Um, you know, good health, good family, good, well, good wife, good, good husband, good kids, good job, good bank account, good vacations, Good, well-funded retirement. You know, all the things that the world... It's just what the world wants. The world wants this stuff. You know, security, comfort. Um, the world wants this stuff. My, my question to you is, what's missing from that list? What's missing from that list? Pardon me? God! God's missing from that list. You were created and redeemed... For God. Do you understand that? 
Do you own that? Do you love that? You were created for God. You weren't created for anything less than God. It's almost like, how dare you or how dare me set my sights on something less than God? He created me. He redeemed me. What am I doing thinking about something other than Him? Or putting something in a place above Him? Right? How can Christians, right-thinking, Bible-believing, born-again Christians ever do that? Beloved, we shouldn't. I'm not saying we don't. We're all sinful and we are all easily distracted. Can I get an amen on that? <laughs> We're all easily distracted. But what you have to do, you have to fight to stay on God. This is what God expects from you. I'm going to fight to stay on the Lord. You know, what does that look like? Well, we know what it looks like. It looks like you being in the Word of God. It looks like you being in prayer. It looks like you being um, uh, sitting under the, 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 the preached Word of the Bible, fellowshipping with, uh, with believers, serving them, loving them. So we know what it looks like. I'm just going to ask you, when you make your list, and listen, all the things I listed, they're all legitimate under the umbrella of Jesus Christ, right? So I'm just going to ask you, when you're, when you're dreaming, is He first? When you're dreaming, when you're dreaming, is He first? Or is it some temporal thing that you've set your affections on that really is a distraction? It's, you know, is there something between you and Christ? Is there anything between you and Christ? Or is that relationship unimpeded, right? So that's the question for you and I tonight. The Apostle Paul had huge dreams, right? Anybody know what his, his, his dream was? He was living the dream. What was his dream? To be the perfect Jew. And Paul was the perfect Jew. In fact, in Philippians, he tells us, I think it's over in is it chapter 3, I think he tells us that he was, yeah, he was uh, circumcised on the eighth day of the nation of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin. He was a Hebrew of Hebrews. As to the law, he was a Pharisee. As to zeal, he called himself blameless under the law. Then one day, he was going on business to Damascus and something happened. Anybody remember what happened to the Apostle Paul on his way to Damascus? Everything changed, right? Everything changed. Jesus Christ invaded his life. And then you know what Paul says in Philippians chapter 3. All that perfect Jewness became dung to him. He met Jesus Christ. All his dreams, all his dreams were just gone compared to Jesus, right? They didn't matter to him at all compared to Jesus Christ. He'd met his God. He'd met his Redeemer. Larry Crabb again. Our shattered dreams. I want you to understand this. Listen, don't ever forget this. When it gets hard in your life, this is not, this is not, this is not by random accident, okay? Listen to what Crabb says. Our shattered dreams are never random. They are always a chapter in a larger story. Shattered dreams are not accidents of fate. They are ordained opportunities for the Spirit first to awaken and then to satisfy our highest dream. 
which for a human being can only be to be in right relationship with my Creator. Crab finishes, manageable dreams are not worthy of an unmanageable God. <laughs> um, listen, um, we all have temporal dreams. But they need to be under the umbrella of the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Don't ever let some temporal dream be between you and God. Don't ever let that happen. I don't care how righteous it sounds. You know, you hear a lot of people talk sometimes. Karen and I were talking about this the other day. You hear even people who, who, who claim to be Christians say something like, well, family comes first. No, it doesn't! It never comes first! In the Bible, family never comes first! Who comes first? Jesus Christ comes first. And if you learn to love Jesus Christ supremely, then you will actually learn how to love your family. If you don't love Jesus Christ supremely, I submit to you, you have no idea how to love your family in a way that God expects you to love your family. Which is what? <laughs> Pointing your spouse and your children to Him? That's the best gift you give to your family. It's not spoiling your kids, right? It's, it's living in such a way that they see Jesus Christ in your life. That's the best gift you can give your kids. That's the best gift you can give to your spouse. So, the Apostle Paul, he's writing the letter of Philippians. Where is he? Anybody know where he, when he's writing this letter? Do you, anybody know where he is? He's in prison. Most people concur that he's in Rome. He's in prison in Rome. Um, yeah, it makes me think of... Uh, so, yeah, Paul put down his temporal dreams, and now he's walking with Jesus. Oops, he's in prison. And we know all of the, the, the trials and tribulations that Paul has gone through. You know, people ask me sometimes, Jim, um, yeah, if I, if I go with Christ, will, will everything work out well? And, I, and it depends on what you mean by, it depends on how you define the word well. <laughs> uh, in a temporal sense, I have no idea. I know that if you go with Christ, it'll work well for you in an eternal sense. You know, Daniel was delivered, Stephen was stoned. It's not always safe to walk with God. But that's not the issue, is it? Is that the issue for you? Only if it's safe? Only if it's comfortable? Only if it's secure? Only if I won't incur any problems? Only if people won't think ill of me or call me, you know, a fundamentalist or a bigot or intolerant or... God help us if we're just concerned about our own security. Um, it's not always safe to walk with Jesus, but it's always life. It's always life. It's one thing that we learn. Actually, if you go over to Philippians 1.29, you, you've got your Bibles open. You can look at it for yourself. Paul says, For to you it has been granted for Christ's sake, not only to... Believe in Him, but also to suffer for His name. So Paul let go. He had open hands and he let go of all the lesser dreams. And he made God his dream. So I'll just ask you, is that true for you? And if it's not, I, I just lovingly say, go home and do some business with God. Just go, go home and be honest. You guys, 
Talk about it. Are you still pursuing something to a greater degree than you are pursuing Jesus Christ? That's a serious question. That is a serious question for each of us. You know how you know if you're pursuing Jesus Christ above all things? You know how you know? (laughs) There's a lot of different ways, but one way that occurred to me was it will take faith. Is there any aspect of your life that takes faith? I'm talking about active faith. You know? Or can you just roll out of bed and do everything on your own? Or do you have to be talking to the Lord and pulling down, praying down the strength of God, you know? And, and falling on Him and depending on Him. And Larry Crabb is right. Manageable dreams are not worthy of Aslan. So Paul's life is invaded on the road to Damascus and he decides he'll settle no more. He'll go with God whatever that looks like. No more comfortable assumptions. No more mediocre expectations. He is going to go with God. So you know the epistle of Philippians is called the the epistle of joy. I counted it, but I forgot now. But it's somewhere in the teens. The word joy or or the word rejoice appears like 17, 18 times in the epistle of, of Philippians. And we know again that Paul is in prison. And he's talking about joy. <laughs> okay, I want to ask you, <laughs> you know, I am constantly amazed at how blessed most of us are and how much we take it for granted and how thankless we are most of the time. And instead of being filled with joy at God's faithfulness, we're always finding, you know, the three or four things that aren't just perfect. Paul's in prison, but they cannot have his joy. Right? They cannot have his joy. Paul got life right. He was created by Jesus Christ for Jesus Christ. Colossians 1.16. And that's how he lived. That's how he lived. You know, most people, and I'm going to get into the text, but most people just live bored lives. Now, if I could sit down with you for a few minutes and talk with you, and you were honest with me, I think some of you would confess that there's, there are times in your life when you're just bored. Um, you know why you're bored? You know why? You've become distracted. If you're a Christian and you're bored, you've become distracted. If you're looking at Jesus Christ and you're obeying Jesus Christ, and you're walking with Jesus Christ, and you're talking and listening to Jesus Christ, and you're ordering your life around the Word of God, you will not be bored. You will not be, beloved. If you're walking with the living God, you will not be bored. Philippians 1.20, you heard it read. He says, Paul says, according to my earnest expectation and hope, I shall not be put to shame, but with what? All boldness. What does he say? 
Jesus Christ shall even now as always be exalted in my body, whether by life or death, in all boldness. So let me ask you, how bold are you in the world? How bold are you in the world? Are you bold out there? We're going to see it in just a minute. Why are you still here? Why am I still here? It'd be very much better not to be here if we believe the Bible. It'd be very much better to be with God. But why are you still here? What does Paul say in a few minutes? He says, it's necessary for me to be here. It's more necessary to be here than to go and be with God. That would be very much better. You know what he says? He says, I'm hard-pressed. Let me ask you, beloved, are you hard-pressed? Do you feel that tension? Do you... Are you just ready to go and be with God? Do you feel that tension? I think mature Christians are fe always feel the tension. Right? But it's necessary for me to be here. He hasn't left you here for any other reason that it's necessary. Right? And you just think it's another Monday morning. Right? Wrong. <laughs> it's necessary that you be in Milan right now. It's necessary that you be his, his disciple in Milan right now. That's why you're still here. Or he'd take you home. It's very much better. Right? That's what the text says. It's what Paul is saying. Paul came to that place where he understood, and I hope at least most of you are working on this, that Jesus Christ is better than anything this life can give and Jesus Christ is better than anything death can take. Now, when you finally get to that place, you are free. You're just free. Right? You're free. You're free to, yeah, live a huge life of faith for the glory of God. And Paul says, now here's how to, you know, in the Young Adult Bible Study, we're, we're going through John Piper's book, Don't Waste Your Life. And, Paul, and Paul's basically saying, this is how not to waste your life. Philippians 1.21. I, I would say you should go to Philippians 1.21 every day for the rest of your life and read it and own it. Right? <coughs> to live is Christ. To die is gain. Do you believe it? <laughs> if you believe it, everything changes, right? I'm not saying we don't sin and we don't get distracted and we don't become dull spiritually. I'm not saying that we don't all struggle with our flesh. I'm not saying that. But if we really get that, that to live is Christ, if I stay, it's just about Christ. If I go, I get to be with Christ. You know, it's gain. Is death gain for you? Let me just stop and ask you. Is death, do you see death as gain? If you, don't, if you claim to be a Christian and you don't see death as gain, then... You've not understood who He is and what's awaiting you. You have some kind of flawed, superficial understanding of what awaits you if you do not see death as gain. Paul says, I'm ready to go, man. He says, I'm hard-pressed. I'm pressed. I'm hard-pressed. I'm ready to go. <laughs> I know it's going to be better. But I stay here to do what? To acquire health, wealth, and prosperity. Do you see why that stinks in the nostrils of God? Do you see why that kind of garbage, you know, pseudo-gospel preaching 
is a stench in the nostrils of God. If I stay, it's about Christ. If I go, it's about being with Christ. So Paul says, this is how I feel. This is how I really feel. This is how I think. Consequently, this is how I live. Right? Everybody knows what you really believe. It's in your life. Okay, it's in your checkbook. It's on your credit card statement. It's in your home. Everybody knows what you believe. Everybody knows what you value. If they have access to this information, if they can just observe your life, we, we, you know, it's no secret. We do what we want. We pursue what we love. So don't, you know, you can't fool anybody. Certainly not God. <laughs> right? We do what we want and we pursue what we love. It's just, it's just a fact of life. It's just a fact of life. Paul says, this is how I feel. He says, I prize Jesus Christ. I prize Him. I prize Him above all things. I prize Him. Beloved, this is not optional in born-again Christianity. This is just the way it is. This is the way it is. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. But if I am to live on in the flesh, this will be fruitful labor for me. So are you, in, are you engaged in fruitful labor? Hey, I know we all have to make a living. I get it. But you know, while you're making a living, God expects you to be in, 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 involved in fruitful labor. You know, you're sowing the good seed to your fellow workers and to your clients and whatever. You're involved in fruitful labor. You know, the stay-at-home mom, the guy that works 9 to 5, the woman that works 9 to 5. It's all a platform for people to see that for you to live as Christ to die is gain. Your kids see that to live is Christ to die is gain. Your co-workers see that to live, to live is Christ to die is gain. This is the aroma. This is the aroma of your life. Paul says in Galatians 2.20, and I think we saw this verse a couple of weeks ago, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God He was a perfect Jew. But now, that doesn't mean anything to him. <laughs> That's too small for him. You understand what I'm saying? Temple dreams are just too small for the born-again believer. They're too small. You know, we're not all called to, to be vocational ministers and missionaries. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying, are you delighting in God in whatever your vocation is? Are you making much of Jesus? Is that aroma coming off of you? Paul says, I can't, I can't walk where Jesus calls me to walk in my own strength only by faith. This is how you know. I'm, I'm living by faith. This is how you know 
if you're kind of in the romance and you're kind of you're kind of at work, you're walking with the living God. This is kind of how you know because it takes faith every day, right? It takes faith every day. We all have different battles we're fighting, mental, emotional, whatever. We all have different problems with our families and our careers and but can you delight in God with them? Can you happily give them up to God? It doesn't really matter if God handles this problem the way I want Him to as long as He's here with me. Right? That's what matters. Fellowship with God. That's what matters. Paul says, I can't, I can't do what He's calling me to do except by faith in the Son of God. And beloved, God expects you to live your faith. If you're not living your faith in the world, you're not doing what God has created and redeemed you to do. You are wasting your life to dovetail off what the young adults are studying. You are wasting your life if you don't make much of Jesus Christ in your orbit. Whether that's stay-at-home mom or, you know, nine-to-five mom. And whatever you husbands are doing. Make much of Jesus. Because to live is Christ and to die is gain. Hebrews 11 Abraham, Sarah, Moses, Rahab, David. They all said yes to God, right? They weren't perfect, were they? None of them were perfect. One of them's a prostitute. But they all said yes to God. One of them was an adulterer. One of them was a murderer. One of them was a liar. Um, but they repented and said yes to God. And you know what they did? They finished with God. You know, I can tell you, I've been in this business for a long time. You know, some people come in and man, they're 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 jazzed, they're on fire, and they're, you know, they love the Lord, and boy, they get involved, and you know, then the trial comes in their life, and you know, you can't find them, you can't find them, you can't find them. The only time some people feign love for God is if everything's going just right in their own eyes. Right? Only if God's performing adequately in my estimation. <clears throat> when He doesn't bless me enough, I'm done. I'm done. If He doesn't bless me enough, I'm done with Him. Blessing, as far as I understand it and, and can conceive of it and delineate it. You know, when the trial comes, <laughs> it's a blessing. You know, I know we struggle with that. But the half-brother of Jesus says, count it all joy when the tribulation comes. So Paul says, verse 22, I'm here for fruitful labor. Verse 23, I'm hard-pressed from both directions, having a desire to depart. He wants to go. There's part of him that wants to go. I'm asking you, do you understand what he's saying? I'm asking you, do you understand that that inclination. Do you understand that mental exercise? There's part of me that wants to go. He says, there's part of me 
that desires to depart. And how does the text finish? Because that would be what? That would be what? Very much better. Do you believe it? Do you really believe it? It would be very much better to be in the presence of God right now. Now, I know some of you have big plans, and I think I talked about this a couple of weeks ago. You know, you want to graduate first, right? You want to get that thesis done, man. I want to launch that new product. I want to get married. I want to have babies. Um, I want to take that trip. I want to make my first million. Um, You know, I, I confess this to you. People used to ask me, are you ready to go? And I'd say, well, I just want to preach one more time. And I, I told you a couple weeks ago, I don't, I don't say that anymore because I realize this is blasphemy. To, it sounds spiritual, but it blasphemes the worth of Christ for me to say, I would rather preach one more time than immediately be in His presence. It just shows that I have no clue how awesome and beautiful and glorious and satisfying and fulfilling it would be to simply be in His presence. You know, the whole... Revelation 4 thing, the creatures that have eyes within and all around. and It doesn't tell us how many eyes they have, but they have a lot of eyes. And all they do is look at God, and you know they wish they had one more, right? It would just be very much better to be with Him. You know, <laughs> ecstatic joy and worship and pleasure in the right hands the right hand of God. So God has left us on the planet to be His people. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? What does the Bible say about your life anyway? How long are you going to be around? How long are you going to be around? Well, in the States, I don't know what it is over here in Italy. But in the States, it's uh, 82 years. You, you get your 82 years. Statistically, you'll get your 82 years, right? Of course, we know that we could die younger or older. You get your 82 years. But the Bible says, <clears throat> the Bible says this is a vapor, right? Your life is like a vapor compared to eternity uh, past and eternity future. Your life is just like this. So, if that's true, and the Bible says it's true, I know it's sometimes hard for us to wrap our minds around it, but as a 63-year-old man... Almost, I can tell you, it goes like that. Okay, you're gonna, you're all gonna be as old as me before you know it, and you're gonna go, what happened? So we're not here to stay; we're here to go. And Paul says, I'm going to invest my life in what matters, not stuff, not accomplishment, not fame, not renown, not comfort, not ease. You know. Not pleasure in a worldly sense, although he sold out to the consummate pleasure. He is a Christian hedonist. His greatest pleasure and highest treasure is the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's what you see in Hebrews 11. These men and women, right? Three times in Hebrews 11. Go read it tonight. Three times. They were looking at heaven. They were looking at heaven. They were looking at heaven. I've challenged you on this many times. Are you looking at heaven? Does it inform the way you live your life? I love this C.S. Lewis quote about heaven. He says, If you read history, you find that those Christians who did most for the present world were just those who thought most of the next. Aim at heaven, you get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you get neither.
This is very true. Very true statement. I've always loved Lewis's quote on that. So Paul says, to live is Christ, to die is gain. To live is to be used of Christ. To die is to be with Christ. There's a cool uh, side note here that most of you are probably not aware of. Luke is with Paul uh, in Rome while Paul is writing the letter to the Philippians. And it's surmised that Luke is probably writing his gospel. <laughs> and you remember what Luke 19 is about, right? The parable of the menas, you remember? And you remember that the, the, the king went away and he gave talents and or minas to uh, his slaves and he said, do business while I'm gone, I'll be back. You know the parable, right? I love that phrase. Do business while I'm gone. I'm thinking Paul's, I think, I'm thinking Paul, this is ringing in Paul's ears, right? You know, Paul said, the Lord said that? Do business? I'm going to do business. He said to do business. You know, what business is he doing? God's business. It's not just all about Jim and what Jim can acquire and how Jim could be, you know, uh, made much of or how Jim can have more security or how Jim can have more comfort or how Jim can have more stuff. Beloved, if that's your life, I lovingly say to you, you are wasting it. You're wasting it. You can't live for stuff that small. You're going to be bored in about 15 minutes. You'll be bored in about 15 minutes. If that's, if that's as big as you can dream, you're going to be bored the rest of your life. Just trust me. You open your hands with God, you have no idea what He will do. And I, I've, I, I lived as an adult, as an unconverted adult. I lived to 28 years. I know what it's like to be an unconverted adult and never having any satisfaction, deep satisfaction. And I know what it's like to live as a converted adult. He is my satisfaction. And He brings me through every situation. So I'm just going to ask you, are, are, are you doing business? Are you doing business? Are you doing business? So, the nobleman comes back and he... There is an accounting, right? There is an accounting. So we are to be good stewards. We are to be good stewards of what the Lord has given to us. And we all want to hear, right? Matthew 25, 21. Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful in a few things. I will put you in charge of many. Paul says, man, I'm just going to aim at heaven. I'm going to do business. I'm going to do God's business. Yeah, I know, I've got to eat and all this other stuff, but God says, if you seek Me first, what? Who knows the way that ends? God says, seek Me first and I'll, I'll take care of everything else. The problem is, right? We don't believe Him. We don't believe Him. So, Paul says, I'm going to do spiritual business. I'm going to please my God and then I'm going to go be with my God. And that's like forever. You know, if I could get, if I could get some of you, and, 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 I, and I don't know all of you all that well, but if I could get some of you to wake up tonight. Wake up! Life is short. Eternity's forever. Weigh it out. You don't have to be Einstein to weigh this out. You don't have to understand the theory of relativity to get this. Right? You're only here for a short time. 
you're going to be there for ever. So to live as Christ, to die is gain. I pray that that is true for you. Paul says, to depart and be with Christ is more desirable, but this is more necessary. I stay here out of necessity. You know, it's, it's, it's cool to see your life like that. I'm here out of necessity. I, I, you know, some people say, well, I have no purpose. I have no goals. I, I, I have no, you know, I don't, I don't really have anything really moving. Yes, you do if you're a Christian. God's left you here to be the light. To be salt, you are here for a reason. It is necessary that you be here. God means to use you here. In verse 25, Paul says, I'm convinced I know that I shall remain and continue with you for your progress and joy in the faith. Paul says, I'm here for the body of Christ. I'm not, I don't want to just hang around for that next trip to Jerusalem or to fall in love or to get married or to have a son or, you know, to get a pile of money. I want to make much of Christ. I want to build up the church. This is what Paul wanted to do above any and all things. And I submit to you as I always do that as you give yourself to God, as you give yourself to the service of God's people, you will find joy. You will find joy in a depth of joy you did not know was possible in your life. We work for the glory of God and for our joy. Okay, so I'm done. Just going to finish up here real quick. Um, I love what Peter says in 2 Peter 1.13. As long as I'm alive, it's right for me to stir you up by way of reminder. This is why I preach the way I preach every week you come in here. I know some of you think, I wish Jim could just relax a little bit. Well, you know, life's too short to relax a little bit. And I love you too much. I love God too much. I love the Word too much. And I love you too much. I'm always going to stir you up by way of reminder so you'll go do what God has redeemed you to do. I'm not going to pat you on the head and say, oh, you want to waste your life? That's cool with me. I don't really care. Let's just do a nice sermonette. I do care. I care if I waste my life. I care if you waste your life. I care. I mean, any preacher worth his salt should care. So I'm not here to entertain you or to inform you or, you know, to give you a spiritual, you know, tummy rub. I'm not here to be your life coach. I'm not here to disseminate psycho Bible. I am here to remind you that your God is God. Your God is in the womb of a teenage virgin. Your God is in a manger. Your God is on a cross. Your God is in the tomb. Your God has come out. Your God is reigning. Your God is returning. And this is what your God has said. And this is what His Apostle says. To live is Christ. To die is gain. And beloved, some of you need to wake up. You don't... Some of you need to stop. You're wasting your life playing around and being distracted with 
what the world has to offer. You guys know what 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20 says. You have been bought with a price. How does it end? You have been bought with a price. Therefore, what? Glorify God. Therefore, glorify the Lord. So I'm here to stir you up that you might begin to dream God's dreams. And you'll know it when you see it. <laughs> you know, you'll know God's dream. It'll look like Philippians 1.21. It'll feel like Philippians 1.21. You say, hey Jim, I, I, you know, I just, I'm just going to school, man. I'm just trying to get my degree. I, I, I just get up and go to work every day and I'm trying to support my family. All these are good things. These are, you know, these are, these are what we should do. God gives us the ability to do these things. But it needs to be under the context of I love Him supremely. My hands are wide open. And my joy is not my accomplishments or my degrees or my wealth. My joy is my God. This is real Christianity, right? This is, this is biblical, born-again Christianity. Paul says in Philippians, and I'm done, Paul says in Philippians 3, 12 and 14, I have not arrived... You know the great text. But I press on, forgetting what lies behind, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So I'm going to leave you with that challenge. None of us have arrived. We've all got work to do. All of us have a lot of work to do. Hey, I have to look at myself in the mirror. It's not pretty. Right? I've got a lot of work to do. But I press on. And Paul says in Philippians 2, it's in Philippians chapter 1, he says this too, I know that God will complete the good work He's begun in you, right? (laughs) He won't leave it undone. I know God will complete the good work He's begun in you. So, I don't know why, apparently somebody in here needs this sermon. I know I need it, but maybe you need it too, okay? Maybe it's just for me. Maybe the Lord said, preach Philippians 121, Jim, because you're a punk. And I want you to love me more. And I want you to find more delight and joy in me. And I want you to open your hands. I want you to be a man of God. And I want you to stop being afraid all the time. Maybe I need it. But I bet you need it too. I bet you need it too. Let's pray together. Lord, we love you. You are a great God. Beautiful God. Awesome God. Thank You for this challenge. I pray that it's true for everyone in this room. I pray it's true that we do understand it. We don't always live it, but we do understand it. To live is Christ, to die is gain. I pray that's real for everybody in this room. And for those that it is not real, I pray that Your Spirit would convict So help us, Father. Help us, we pray. We are vapors. Help us to be the light. Help us to be the salt. We love You. We praise You. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. I, uh, we won't sing, but I wanted to...
There was a song we sang. Yeah, Good, Good Father. And um, this is what happened tonight. And Ratio didn't know what I was preaching. Okay? This is what happened tonight. God has called you deeper. Okay? Everybody in here, I don't care who you are, including me, right? Pastor of the smallest church in the world. <laughs> um, he's called me deeper. He's called you deeper. Go with him. I had a young person tell me recently, I'm afraid. I'm a little bit afraid of what I hear God saying to me. I say, I understand being afraid. You'll never be sorry if you go. You'll never be sorry. He's called us all deeper still. He's all called us deeper tonight. Let's stand. I'm going to dismiss you with a benediction. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up His countenance on you and give you peace. God bless. Go have a great week. Don't ever forget who you are in Christ. To live is Christ. To die is gain. This is what real Christians do. So go and do it. Have a great week. Hope to see you next time.